Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. Kavod Family exists for the restoration of families and the transformation of communities. What's up, guys? How are you? We are doing awesome. How you doing, man? Great. So you can see we've got every time, Dad, Danny, whatever we want to say. <laughs> I feel like if I say Dad, people are going to be like, wait, who's that? And then, of course, we got Casey. Hello, Welcome hello. So the last few weeks, we've been diving in still to that patriarch role. And today, we kind of want to we want to pull it's, – it's still a part of that theme, but we want to dive in and really – Give a a war ca- a war cry a rallying point and like a a theme for men to fight for your marriage to fight for your families to fight period and we're gonna kind of unpack that what does that look like what does that mean how do we do it how do we feel like if we suck at fighting we don't know how to fight we've never had a role model what do we do and why is that such an imperative piece of this puzzle, the foundational piece in this, that men are to fight for their wives, for their families. <laughs> Guys, so don't jump all at once. What we got on that? Oh, man, this, this, uh, thank you, Travis, for that. I'm, I'm stoked to be um, a part of this conversation because this needs stirred up in every man uh, almost, gosh, weekly, daily. I mean, this is what Jesus did. He came and his example was that he was fighting for his bride. You have to look at, as you're reading through the Gospels, and you see that story, don't look at it as just this man that comes and he finds some followers, some people that that tend to believe in him and start to hang out with him, and then he dies on this cross to pay for the sins of a people. That's not the picture at all. There's this that That's what you're looking at. But the great narrative behind that is that here's a man, a husband, who, who is coming to rescue and save and redeem his bride from a lost, fallen, broken world. You know what's really cool? Really cool with that. It, it sounds so simple, but if you really chew, or like the Bible says, say law on this point, <laughs> he dies for us with the option for us still not to choose him. He died, like he, he has a crown of thorns shoved on his head. He is pierced in the side with a spear. He's whipped, to, so he's unrecognizable. Like just, just think of that. He is beaten so bad that you would not even recognize who he is. And then he dies on a cross, him being God. It says that he could call down legions, which are, I think was that 12,000 angels. At any moment, he could rip this world apart. And as God, he submits himself to us, to creation that he has created and dies by us, but for us. And then when that, when that's all said and done, we're forgiven, but we still daily do not choose him. So I hear there's so many moments where my wife might disrespect me or it's not fair, or I came home and I have to do dishes. Like this man was brutally beaten and died and he doesn't make us love him. Like he he that wins. Level. That's that's the point, right? He wins us in a different way. Sure. It, it's that aim of like, would you rather follow a tyrannical king or would you rather follow this knight, this warrior that came and rescued you? It's why we love stories about princes and princesses, right? The tales of uh, Saint George and the Dragon Slayer. It's why we prefer that over, you know, uh, <laughs> the the tyrant. I mean, he loved with no strings attached. You know, he is the example for that. And we got to realize, too, where we live in that today, we try to choke that fight out of men from the time that they're boys. 
You know, yesterday I separated. I had all my karate babies sitting in there, and I separated them on purpose. I put the boys on one side and the girls on the other side. I said, now, what's the – do you guys feel like there's a difference in how boys and girls play, right? And you got to hear these kids. <laughs> they got more understanding than most adults around me. They're throwing out answers. I tell you, I wish I would have recorded this just for people to hear. And I said, well, what do you guys think are the differences, like, between boys and girls? And one little boy raises his hand, right? And he's like, boys are tougher, right? So immediately you look at the girl's side, and everybody's faces go sour. What do you mean boys are tougher? I said, now, see, that's the issue right there. One is saying one thing, but the other one is hearing the words, but hearing a whole, a whole different meaning behind it. <laughs> Girls, all you guys got out of that was he thinks he's better than you guys, yeah. <laughs> right? Meanwhile, here's a little boy trying to grab a hold of some identity to understand that he is tough and he is to grow up to become a protector, right? Right. And as I'm explaining that, the kids are now realizing, you know, this happens a lot. And, and you want to squash right. that. You, you want to squash that thing in him. Like you know, you, you're taking the very thing that you're going to love, but you're trying to kill it in him, right? And we sit there and we kill it in them all the time. And it's in a cultural thing. I said, girls, do the boys get in trouble all the time for playing for being boys? And they were like, what do you mean? I said, okay. I said, when you sit on the floor and you guys are drawing or just playing, right? I said, that's the way girls like to play. You know, you got your dolls. I said, do you ever get in trouble for that? And they go, no, sir. I said, now, boys, when boys play, they like to jump around and grab each other and do this and that and the other. I said, do you ever see boys get in trouble for that? All of the girls go, oh, yes, sir. I said, so why are they getting in trouble for being boys and you're not getting in trouble for being girls? <laughs> and they looked at me like, we never thought about that. I said, it's different doesn't mean wrong. And we got to get that out of our heads and stop beating men over the head for being men that we want them to be eventually when the time counts, right? But we want to get offended when it doesn't work out the way we want it to. Men have got to learn how to fight. We got to learn how to fight for our families. We can't fight for our families when we can't even stand up and fight for ourselves. We're living in a time right now where we keep choking the life out of men with that. But then when they actually respond with the way that they've been choked out, everybody turns around and bash them over the head for the very thing we created in them. <laughs> and then they wonder why whenever it's time for them to be the father, the husband, they don't do it. They don't because they don't have any fight in them yep. to understand. This is what we were created for, man. They've okay. been neutered so, since kindergarten. So if you're, if you're listening, tuning in right now. Uh, hear what Danny's saying because he's talking about a fight that's in you and it's not based on your own physical strength when you look in the mirror. This isn't like when you stand up and look in the mirror and you gauge yourself and you, you look at your muscles. It's not that kind of strength. This is something that's in your nature. It's in your DNA as a man in the image of God to become this fighter for your family. And it might seem weak or you might say it's not there. I've never done it. That doesn't mean it's not there. Just like when people come into the gym and they're like, oh, I'm super weak. If you work it, it'll come. It will come. It will grow. And but it's not fun yeah. working it. It's uncomfortable. Yes. It hurts. But every You're going to suck at it. Every man's got to understand. There's, a, there's an amount, there's a strength that God has naturally put inside of every man out there. If you're listening, I need you to get this, okay? God has put a strength inside of each one of us as men. What we do with it is a whole different thing. 
Okay, the strength that he's equipped us with, the fight that he's put in us for our families, for our friends, for for the, for the causes that are supposed to be standing for Christ instead of going with the status quo. That strength is supposed to be led by God, and when it's led by God, there are no limits to it. Now, can you imagine as a man that you are endowed with a strength that has no limits? That's a whole different level, right? So, well, when it comes well, to our families and our wives. They need that. They need to be able to see that right. in us as well. It's not, fellas, we could talk about this all day long. That's not enough. <laughs> they have to be able to see that. I asked the little girls at the karate school yesterday. I said, when you guys are with me, do you feel safe? They all piped up. Yes, sir. Well, why do you feel safe? First little girl stands up because we know you'll protect us and you won't let anybody come in to hurt us. And if somebody would try to hurt us, you'd step in there. I said, so that makes you feel protected, right? Yes, sir. Well, guess what? That's what I'm trying to get all these boys to grow to be. Don't choke it out of them. And see, a lot of times they don't know. So I'm, I'm going to tell a story about my own house. This actually happened last night. Um, mom, Mama Bear, they love their little boys because it's, it's obviously a miniature version of the man they fell in love with, their husband. There's so many times that I am calling Reed to rise up. He's practicing being a little man right now with me. I'm his coach in the corner, and we're practicing it. And he gets to practice it with Mom. And she's like, no, no, I don't want you to worry about me. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do this. And at first I didn't catch it. And God's like, listen to the language there. And so, you know, Reed would come home and be like, mom, are you good? And Lid's like, I hate it when he stresses over me. I said, he's not. He sees me check on you. He sees me yeah, alleviate the, the load thing. from you and take whatever pressure off of you. He's modeling that. Do not correct that. Yeah. We need that. So last night he comes in. We have an older house, a small water heater for our house, and we've got laundry going, dishes going, you name it. Reed's like, I'm going to take a bath. And I was like, we're going to have cold showers. And I was like, I'm just going to let him go. Maybe Lyd and I can talk, and we'll have warm showers. We'll just let it get hot. Well, no. He takes, he lets that bathtub fill up to the brim, and there's no hot water. <laughs> All 75 pounds of him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I get in, and it is ice. And I'm like... All right, I'm going to do it. You know, like I could wait, but I'm like, no, I'm getting soft. I need to get it done. Da, da, da. <laughs> so I get in, I have ice cold shower and I run in and check and I'm like, did you take a shower? And she said, no, no. Yeah, I'm letting it get warm. So I go upstairs and my son is, he has this little iPad hooked up and it's on the toilet. He's playing music. He's propped up, leaned back like he's in a recliner in the tub. He's like a king, baby. With <laughs> soap suds everywhere. I was like, do you have a warm bath? He's like, yeah, dad, it was great. I said, well, mine was ice cold. And he looked at me with these big eyes like I was going to yell at him. I said, I don't care about me. I said, guess who isn't taking a shower right now? And he's like, what, who, who? And I go, mom's waiting because it's all gone. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I feel so bad. And he's running through all this. And I said, good. I said, finish your bath. And I said, don't say a word about me. I don't, I'll take a cold shower. I'm fine. I want you to walk down these stairs and tell your mom you're sorry. I said, nobody's mad. Nobody's upset. But, like, you're learning to be a man. One day you're going to be a dad and you're going to be a husband and you're going to take the cold showers. So go apologize to mom. She's going to be like, no, don't worry about it. No, tell her, mom, I'm learning to be a man. And he did. He walked down there and he did it and Lid didn't say a word. But like that is what is needed. Yes. You it have to so teach it. Needed, but but sometimes not enough of that. And sometimes not only on the man side, there's not enough of it, but the, the moms and the ladies are, are, are naturally being loving. Nurturing, yes. Yes, but like there's a time when your little boy, no, he needs to feel that. Well, the Bible says there's a time for everything, and we got to take that seriously from this point on. There is a time to be nurturing, but ladies, we have to understand as well, there's a time where you got to put that aside because 
our boys, our young men, there's a part of us that needs to be hardened. And it's being hardened for a good situation. That situation, think about what the Father calls us to do, right? Love our wives the same way Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. And that's easy to say that. No, let's go in more detail. How did he die for the church? He was tortured until there was no more breath in him. That's a different death. We can't just look at that and say he just died and paid for that. No. He was tortured until there was nothing. He experienced the worst amount of pain because he loved us with a love that didn't require anything back. But see, the men the men like this scripture. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. They're like, money? What's <laughs> up? That. You know? <laughs> but like your qualification for leading is love. Is like loving God. like Christ and dying for her. Sanctifying her, like your only qualification to be in that leadership role is because every single one of their needs are before your own. And fellas, the first way we learn how to die for our wives is by first learning how to die to ourselves. Get rid of the flesh. So that's the first part. Let's let's unpack that. What does that mean? Yeah, because you're hitting at something. This is this is when we talk about that vertical relationship between us and God, and not the horizontal plane between us and every single other person. This is why having a relationship with God is so crucial and fundamental for your growth, for your success, for everything in life. This is key. Uh, See, the whole purpose of relationships horizontally is to sanctify us, to make us more into the image of God. And so even as you're looking at that verse, love it like Christ, love the church, right? The beauty of that is that our marriage, that horizontal plane, exists to change us into the image of God, right? We're to love and look more and more like Him on a daily daily basis. And so everything around us is squeezing you, and, and it's squeezing you so that way you go and get dependent on Jesus. And exactly. Get dependent the on only God. way you don't jack up the horizontal is because you're working on the vertical. Yeah. It's, the only way is when you're a priest and you're a prophet and you're spending that alone time with God that you don't wreck everybody around you because of your emotional state. I had a bad day at work. My boss is mean to me. What? Get over it. So And check this out. It, it means that like if your world around you is squeezing you, and, and when I say that, I mean like, there's hardship, there's struggles, there's frustration. You got fired, your, your truck broke down, yeah. whatever. <laughs> like that life. And in those moments, if you're drawing near to God, you're actually becoming more and more like him in those moments. Those times where it's sweet and everything's good and everyone's at peace, that's a reward. And, and that's something that we relish in and enjoy. But it, it's not the moment that causes us to, to, to be like him to love unconditionally, right? It's different. Enjoying the reward of a beautiful family or of a beautiful wife is different than fighting for and and sanctifying and laboring for that in your life. The thing is, we all, because it's culturally okay, we all will suffer and train and die in war and fight in business and working out and literal fighting, whatever, whatever it is, we will do sports. But when it comes to come home and do it with our wife and our kids, we're like, nah, we're tired. <laughs> I'm all right. And that's because it's still, again, there's too much self in there. You know, when the disciples asked Jesus, you know, what, what must we do really 
you know, to follow you. He said, first, die to yourself, take up your cross, and then follow me. But I like to say like this, first, you got to die to yourself. You got to get rid of yourself. Get rid of self. When you get rid of that, then you'll be able to do the next part, which is taking up your cross. And through taking up that cross, then you'll be able to follow me. But what does that mean to die to yourself? That means learn to see the world through the eyes of the Father rather than your own. We want to learn how to be like him. Then we got to understand that that was him. That's how, that's how he's always been right what young man what what little boy who's got an amazing relationship with his father doesn't want to grow up to be just like his dad so now we have the ultimate dad and we want to be like him right but what do i what what's my memory what's my understanding of my father in heaven no one on this planet has fought for me the way that my father in heaven has no one has fought for me. And as many times as I spit in God's face, he came back with so much love, chased after me. That taught me that. But here's what, this was his words that the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart one day as we were talking about this. And he said to me, you know, I fought for you and died for you. You don't have the right not to do that for others. So think about that charge coming from a dad. Now to me, that was empowering. It wasn't, it wasn't intimidating. It wasn't, it, it was empowering. It was a charge from my father in heaven to tell me, this is what I did for you. Since I did it for you, that means you know exactly what that looks like. Go out there and do it for everyone because I've equipped you to do that. Matter of fact, I made it easy. You know why? Because we came and made our homes inside of you. And because we live inside of you, it becomes now more effortless. So without what exactly what you guys are talking about, without that vertical relationship, man, you, you, you're chasing after the wind. You're trying to grasp the wind and it's not going to happen. Yeah, you're feeding, you're, you're feeding on the very thing. You want the very thing you should be loving to be filling you up. So, Absolutely. So right. To put this in a practical way, to take this home, like, yes, we need to work on the vertical way. Our relationship with God, being the priest, being the prophet, allows us to be the provider, to take care of, to to protect, to to, to lead. But what I want to, I kind of want to dive into that and unpack that more because we we grasp it in a business standpoint. You start a new business, you know you need to grind. You know money's going to be tight, but you can go work for it. You want a bigger deadlift. You want to have abs. Like, the same discipline, like, a lot of people joke with me and they come in the gym and in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says physical training is of some value. And they'll always poke fun at me they're like, ha, ah, it's only of some value. I said, hey, that made it in the Bible. That's a big deal. Because the, the lessons behind that is the same way you should fight for your family. It's the same way you should lead and love your kids. Yeah. That willingness to go into suffer, discipline, pain, recovery, learning that, learning yourself, learning when your flesh comes over and you're like, yeah, I'm going to rest now. Like we all get that in a worldly standpoint. Those principles are the same whenever you take it into relationship with God. It's the same whenever you come home and you're exhausted and your wife might say something that's kind of condescending or smacks you in the face. Get over it right? and, and press into God and go love her. Right. That, that's why... Um... So what you're referring to is how do you exercise that muscle of, of faith, right? How do you grow in your heart? Like, all right, let's slow down for a minute because here, here's the issue. We live in a world that is fallen and broken and it's hard and it's hard to love people that are broken and <laughs> that's life, right? Uh, it, it's, it's hard raising children that aren't perfect. It takes time. And, and that's what God has called us to do, to train up, to sanctify, to set us apart to him. That's the road that we're on. That's the journey that we're on. So if you just think that your world's going to be perfect around you, it's not. Because the goal is for us to be sanctified and to grow and look more and more and more like him in life. So 
This life has a sharpening. It has a sharpening to it. And it's going to cause you at times daily, every minute, all day long to have to exercise either your faith in God and your trust in what he said or your faith in this world and what you see and what you feel and everything else around you. Okay. And so if you're not getting in the word, if you're not sitting down in the scriptures and reading it all the time, you know, Romans 10, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. If you're not reading that, and, and seeing the stories and how God related and provided over and over and over for his people. If you're not reading those things, your faith is going to grow weak. It's going to shrink. It's just, and you're going to cling to anything that might give you temporary satisfaction. Right. And I, and I want to hit on what you just said, Casey. You said, I mean, sometimes it's hard, right? It's sometimes people can be very unlovable. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, like it's we can, hard, right? right? Like there's times. Yes. But here's what I, and this is a challenge. And I mean, and it's something that I got to live in every day for myself. Okay. It is hard, but it's only hard when it's approached wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah. It is difficult without faith, but we got to approach it that way. But we got to think to ourselves, we're a new creation. Y'all. Okay, if we're saying that we love God, Jesus lives inside of me, we're a new creation. That means we don't get to see the world through the same lens anymore. Seeing the world through a different lens is what changes that. What makes it easier for me to love somebody who the world might say is so difficult to love? The same thing that made God love me when I was so unlovable. Yeah. It's the same thing. And last I checked with my dad, it wasn't hard for him at all. <laughs> because he, I, he needed that? nothing in return. That's but we that's always it. want something in return. But so that's the self part, right? Because we, we, I say I love you. Why? Because I need to hear I love you back. What happens if I get to love you and I don't need anything back? That means now that love is free. But I'm free so, to do so what we need I to say this to do. like like a million times. So say that again. <laughs> say it slower so it can like ring in our ears. We say I love you because we need to hear I love you back. However, what happens if I love you and I get to, not that I have to, but I get to love you and don't need anything from you. Now that love is free. But what is that also free? It frees me to love you irregardless of how you react, irregardless of what you can or cannot do. That's a different level of love. And that's the level of love that my father in heaven has loved me. When he was chasing after me, he didn't love me because of what I could do for him. He loved me because he's just awesome like that. He's good. Right. And he gives us the ability. That's what I want to empower everyone with right now. He gives us the ability to love in this world the exact same way if we'll just grab a hold of it. Right. We have the capability. He empowers us to do that. This is an encouraging word. It's not a word that to make you feel like it's impossible because it's not. It's fully possible. Every day I wake up to become love and to be love for my wife. I don't wake up to be loved by my wife. That makes it different now when I have to deal with anything that's hard with my wife and I. Because I don't need anything from her. My identity is not wrapped in her. I love her and it's, I feel like I can't live, I can't breathe without her. <laughs> but my love for her is pure. It has nothing to do with her ability to love me back. And and let's just let's just settle the plane for everyone out here, Danny. Uh, your marriage was it always just peaches and roses? Or Absolutely not. Days? Let me break this down for you. Our first three years of my marriage, it was like war in my house. 
Okay? <laughs> Nothing good was happening. You take two strong-willed people who are not submitted to God and you put them in the same house together, what do you think is going to happen? Fireworks. Exactly. Nothing good was coming out of that. So you didn't but roll that's over. Because, <laughs> <laughs> that's because neither one of us were submitted to God. Okay. But as we began to submit, God grabbed our hearts at separate times, but doing it the exact same way. We didn't realize this till later on. Sure. And the first way he got me was through an argument with my wife one day, and we're yelling at each other. We're going at it. And the Holy Spirit, in that heated moment, speaks to my heart and says, the only reason why you even thinking the thoughts that are going through your mind about her is because you don't see what I see when I'm looking right. at her. You're persecuting his, his child, his bride. <laughs> I, it knocked the breath out of me. And I'm like, what do you mean? He says, you don't see what I see, because if you saw what I saw when I look at my daughter over there, you wouldn't even have the ability to think about what you're thinking about right now. Right. Broke me. Right. If you thought like him. And I began to pray from that point on, God, please let me see my wife the way that you see her. Do not give me the opportunity. Don't even let me see her through my crazy eyes, because all I want to do is defend, defend, defend myself. That has nothing to do with the way you call me to love her. And the moment that God began to do that for me, it changed my marriage. And on a separate occasion, he did the same thing with my wife. I didn't know that at the time. Did the exact same thing with her on a separate occasion. From that point on, I can honestly say that we've been seeing each other through the Father's eyes. So that means now, even when we disagree, it still doesn't even look the same. Right. It doesn't feel the same. So it may, what am I saying here? There, there are going to be disagreements, but the beauty of it is you don't have to live reactive to each other in those disagreements at this point. Right. Even, But admittedly, we've all been at that place where we are reacting according to what we're feeling Absolutely. or what we see in front of us. And there has to be a point where we stop, we surrender, we put that white flag up and we say, hey, hey, let me get alone with God. And when you go to him and you say, Father, help me because I am literally tearing down your, your daughter here and, and I am destroying the very marriage that you brought together here with my words and my, with my actions. So like, good. Like get my mind on what you've done. And so real quick, like just think on this verse, when it comes to marriage, uh, gentlemen, listen to me, when it comes to marriage, the main verse that Jesus stands p puts the whole thing on Mark 10 verse nine, and he's quoting Genesis chapter two. He's quoting the very beginning of creation, okay? Right from the very beginning when Adam and Eve were made and the two were brought together in marriage. And it says, what God has joined together, let man not separate. And, and we often look at our marriages and we think that this is a union that we've made. This is Eric and I that just made a commitment to each other and chose to come together. And we think that some priest, some guy stood there and signed papers and that's all that's binding on this marriage. But the reality is if you are married, if you are married today, that there is a spiritual reality to it that God has joined the two of you to get together and you are one flesh in his eyes. And so that union, that thing is, is precious in his sight. There's some, there's a weight to that. There's a glory to that. That's far beyond any other commitment in this world that you and I have ever seen. This so is true. This is not a job that you took or you signed up for or a position that you, you hold and you can just walk away from at some point. This is something that God brought together. It's far more sacred than, than the union between you and your children or you and your friends or you and anyone else. It's something that is, is, is holy and unique, far more unique than anything else in this life. It's why it's under more attack than anything else, marriage. And so when, when, when you read that, just read that verse 
10, 15, 20 times. What God has joined together, let man not separate. What God has joined together, let me not separate. What God has joined together, let her not separate. Like read it and understand that man cannot divide this thing. Don't let man divide the union God has brought together. No, that is absolutely. So it's, it's a life with your best friend. And if you guys commit to choosing each other and choosing God, you will weather any storm. But it's it's a it's a life together with the imperfect best friend, and that that marriage is meant to make both of those people more beautiful over time. So right? good, gentlemen, fight for your marriage, <laughs> fight for your families. You're oh. the only. If you hear nothing else today, hear this: you're the only man for that job. That's Out of good. billions of people on this planet, God chose you for that woman. That means no one else is built to do this like you can. Doesn't mean that God can't choose somebody else, but you're right now in that marriage. You're the only man for that job. God chose you. Once again, billions of people on this planet. He chose you out of all of them. That means nobody else can do this job like you can. Right. Fight for your families. Well, let's wrap that up. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a time in the future where we get into some tools on how to fight for your marriage. I think that would be really helpful for some gentlemen. Yes. Tool number one, though, don't don't overlook what we've been talking about. You have to believe. You have to believe that God has called you to fight. That's where it all starts. He's called you and, and made you a warrior to be able to build your own home and fight for your own marriage. Get alone with them and figure out how to. Thank you.